Welcome to The Other Podcast. You're listening to episode one, A Cause for Conversation. When I am looking out your window, the back the buildings, they all turn to me. Beyond them I can sense a wonder, a feeling you have placed in me. The Other Podcast is a collaboration between myself, Jane Gleason, and Deirdre Roll. We met while studying visual culture and visual communication at NCAD. Over the last while, we've dissected the topic of gender disparity in the creative industry, which led to the formation of the other podcast. The podcast draws from inspiration based on our experiences studying and working in the creative industry. Hello, I'm Deirdre. The title for the podcast was inspired by Simone de Beauvoir's concept of the woman as other from her book, The Second Sex. Women have been conditioned to play a certain role in the workplace. De Beauvoir stated that one is not born, but rather becomes a woman. Over the course of this podcast series, we'll talk about communication, confidence and source practical advice for moving towards a more balanced workforce. For our first podcast, we interviewed Avril Delaney and Katie Kidd, a creative team from Boys and Girls who created a side project that educated and informed in the lead up to the abortion referendum. We hosted the podcast to a live audience in Huckletree, where we chatted about making political work, not being afraid of ambition, overcoming fatigue, side projects and being a woman in the ad industry. Thanks everybody for joining us tonight. This is a project that was brought to you by Above the Fold. Uh, Both Fold has been running for two years now. We have been organising events focused on celebrating creativity in Ireland. I'm sure some of you have actually been to some of our past events. We've done various events focused on art, design and the creative arts in Ireland. A couple of our events have focused on gender equality and they've been some of our most exciting events to date. Around nine months ago, I got in contact with Deirdre and decided that we would set up a project focused on addressing the issues that the two of us had come across in the creative industry in Ireland. Our intention with the other podcast is to highlight these obstacles that women may encounter in the industry and also highlight creative solutions that are addressing them. So we're really delighted to have both women today who have addressed one of the issues that Irish women have faced. So we're very lucky to have Katie and Avril, uh, who made Vote for Women. First of all, can you tell us a little bit about Vote for Women and the driving forces behind it? Yeah, so since like about 2016, myself and some of uh, some of our colleagues at our agency wanted to do something to support the referendum and we kind of kicked around a number of different ideas and nothing really kind of got off the ground. And at the time I was living with Anna Cosgrave who created the now iconic repeal project jumpers and was talking to her a lot about it and it just kind of kept my motivation up. And then Katie joined the agency and she was kind of equally as passionate about the cause as I was. Had loads of chats about it and we really wanted to do something. And then Katie, you kind of realised... Yeah, discovery. Yeah. Um, so basically, yeah, before Christmas, we realised that 2018 was the centenary of women's suffrage, our right to vote. We were like, oh, we have to do something proactive, like whether it's ourselves or through the agency or with a client or whatever. We went for some lunches and we knocked around loads of ideas and stuff. And then obviously the referendum got more into conversation. We realised it was actually happening in May. And we were like, well, why don't we try and do both? Because 100 years after getting the vote, there's never been a more important time to use it. So it took a bit of, yeah, like we, we were go brainstorming loads and then the answer was right in front of us because their slogan, votes for women 100 years ago, if you take the S off, it's vote for women, vote for their healthcare, vote for their well-being and their rights. And it kind of just fell out of that. And then we decided to do a zine because suffragettes spread their information through pamphlets and literature. Mm-hmm. So it seemed like a natural progression. And we launched it on International Women's Day again because it was a natural fit. The zine basically had information... Oh, I've got here. 
Yeah, so I basically had loads of information about how to get on the register to vote and why in 1918 getting the vote changed history and in 2018 using your vote will change it again. And because we were launching on International Women's Day and the idea came from slogans, we decided to turn it into a protest placard kind of thing. For those listening to the yeah. podcast, Katie has now un- <laughs> unopened the poster. So um, we did that and we went to the march and handed out loads of those placards, which is really successful. We got into the Irish Times mm-hmm. with a photograph on certain articles, which was really cool. We made a film. We worked with people like Lara McCann, who, photo- who recreated photographs of suffragettes with the placards in a modern day setting with our own placards. We worked with Gareth and Frank, who made the sound for our film out of those photos. It was really successful and... Yeah, it was a really short turnaround for all that work. Yeah, like we had the idea like three weeks before. Yeah, that kind of was kind of one of those things. It. it all slipped into place right before uh, yeah, it the, kind of the, had to kick into action. The beast from the east happened. So <laughs> I was stuck indoors on, on InDesign for a good weekend. So thank God for that. A blessing yeah. in disguise. Yeah, yeah definitely. definitely. Yeah. Three weeks. I don't know how you did it. You had a brilliant social media presence, obviously. Online discourse surrounding the referendum was as powerful in parts as it was vicious in others. Did you encounter any negativity in regards to the campaign and how did you respond to that? The one thing we got, we got one comment um, when it was posted on the Repeal Project Instagram and then a few people mentioned it because 100 years ago, they, they were like, well, not all women got the right to vote, you know, just women over 30 with property. <sighs> but obviously, you know, we knew that, but like coming from our advertising background where it's all about putting out one singular message that's simple for people to understand and makes a connection, you can't really say, vote for women with property who are over 30. <laughs> but I mean, I understand that it came from a good place and it's only because they cared. So it's been a month since the eighth was repealed. To this day. To this day. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Can you talk a little bit about what that means for the women of Ireland? I think that it's a massive relief, firstly. I don't know how a lot of us would have been able to live in a society uh, had, uh, and this society had gone the other way. I think it means that we feel respected and listened to. I think none of us really anticipated such a, a wide victory. We kind of envisaged a more narrow victory. So that was really encouraging and motivating and moving. And it means that for a lot of us, like our Ireland was always so far and away removed moved from the Ireland of like the Magdalene laundries and the tune babies and to be able to prove that that our Ireland was different and we wouldn't be able to like prove that and vindicate that um was really important and I think that's yeah. what it meant. I think the majority was incredible. We were just saying earlier how like in nineteen eighty three it was voted in with the same majority and just to show yeah. the change and I think it was really important just to have chats and the discourse around it was really important and like a lot of people attributed vote for women to their first conversation with their dads or their parents so yeah it's really heartening because it shows a new Ireland like my dad's rationale was he was uh he grew up in really pro-life Ireland and he still has those beliefs but his he was kind of like you know I'll vote yes because it's not my Ireland anymore it's yours and your sisters and your brothers and I'll vote for whatever keeps you happy and stops you nagging me to vote, yes. <laughs> That's great. So we're talking a lot about the women from 100 years ago who worked for Votes for Women. Is there anyone in particular you were inspired by? Who would you want to go for a drink with now? Go for a drink with Hannah Shee Skeffington yeah. and break yeah. some windows. Fair. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Kentus Markovich. Yeah, um, yeah Kentus Markovich is a really good quote. We it's were uh, trying to learn it off, but we're just kind of uh, Wear short skirts and boots, leave your jewels in the bank and buy a revolver. She was a badass. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as well, like, they would have set up a group, um, the Irish Women's Franchise League, I think that's right. They the set Irish up the Irish Citizen as well. Paper. The Irish Citizen, which was the first feminist paper, which kind of fed nicely into yeah. our thinking behind how 
print has the power to spread the word. Yeah, and I think we were kind of inspired by all the the female activists in the hundred years, even after mm. the fact, like all the stories that yeah. we heard mm. while we were working on this. There's a producer that works in, in the advertising industry who um, basically tried to get arrested multiple times for the cause and to prove a point. And, you know, when you look back at the suffragettes, mm. it's like we almost kind of had it easy. Like they risked everything from their reputation, their jobs, their livelihoods, yeah. their, their even their yeah. lives in some cases. Um, it's, yeah, it's yeah, really we, inspiring. We, I feel like even though it was really hard, we didn't, yeah, we got a little bit easy and we made, yeah. we made something really nice. I'm so ad- in admiration of people like fr- from the last century who've done these kind of things just for what they believed in, which is really important because we're here now today with bodily autonomy. Yeah, <laughs> here we are. Just goes to show how much things have changed. Really interesting to hear more about Vote for Women. That's essentially the reason we brought you here. We were um, obviously very interested and engaged by that project and its presence online and offline, especially at the protests. We're also really interested in your positions in the advertising industry, especially as it's creative industry, well, a part of the creative industry that is known for having gender disparity. How the two of you get into the ad industry and what encouraged you to do so? I did film and theology in Trinity and graduated in 2011, a couple of years into the recession. So obviously my job possibilities were endless as a film and theology graduate. <laughs> um, so I, took, I had to take a year out because I didn't know what I was going to do. And I did loads of random stuff in that year. Everything from, I was a production assistant for Donald Gleeson, name drop. And I, I was a PR intern. And that's kind of what made me realise that, you know, uh, that's a career kind of in the world of, of communications could interest me, but it wasn't creative enough. So I sort of explored it a bit further and I discovered the creative advertising masters in DIT. And that seemed to be really interesting and in that it sort of bridged the gap between the creative world and then the world of communication. I ended up kind of hastily put together a portfolio and I got accepted and I did that year there. And out of that, I got an internship with Rothko, who are another really great advertising agency in Dublin. And um, and off the back of that, I got my first job, went to New York, came back, went to Boys and Girls, and I've been there for the last two and a half years. So that's kind of how I got into it. Uh, Mine's not as exciting. I just, I did visual communications in NCD as Deirdre did. I, I'm always like, even when I was in school, I kind of liked both visuals and writing. And I, I was always going between the two. So advertising seemed like a good fit for me because it's that mix of making things look really nice and communicating visually as well as a bit of writing, being clever with words. So I just made sure all my tutors knew I wanted to do advertising in the hope that they just, you know, put me in touch with somebody. And they did. One of our tutors knew John in Boys and Girls and he got me in on an internship. And then they didn't hate me and kept me on. And I've been there since 2016. Well, it so clearly worked out. My story. Yeah. <laughs> my long history. If some of you didn't know, Katie won the Green Horde Award about two weeks ago at the ICADS, which is hugely influential award yeah. for an emerging creative within the advertising agency or advertising world. However, Katie was one of two females who were nominated. In your opinion, how do you think we can foster more opportunities for emerging females to align the gap in those kind of areas? Obviously, like there's things like mentorship programs and like things like that, but I don't know the solution. It's too big a problem to solve right now, like to know the answer. But I do think something that is conditioned in girls to maybe be a little less assertive and, you know, competitive and maybe like kind of just look at me pick me blah, blah, blah. 
I don't know, because I mean, I remember being in school and you're kind of, I went to an all-girls school and thought was, you know, keep your head down, do your homework, you'll get good grades, you'll get, do good tests, do good leave insert, like people will notice and you'll get what you want. But obviously in the real world, that's not how it works, especially in an industry like advertising where you need loads of chutzpah and, you know, confidence, which is something that doesn't come naturally to me at all. I think it's the same for a lot of women where like, you know, in an industry like advertising or anything where you need to be your own brand and build yourself, like you need to make sure people know you're there and put your hand up and lean in. So I don't know, like maybe I think maybe it's something where we just need to grow up with more confidence and yeah. teach that in schools or something because it's something that's so deeply ingrained. Creative industry is a lot of self-initiated stuff. Like, mm, um, yeah. But as well, like female career directors are few and far between in Ireland. I think we were chatting about this earlier. Like it's really important that any women in your industry, you, you make sure to look after each other and pull each other up and... If you're in a higher level position, mentor your younger counterparts. And, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Avril, you were talking about being in New York. Mm. You were saying earlier that that's where you learn to be ambitious. Ambitious. Yeah, ambitious. but in kind of an unexpected way, because basically when I when I went to New York, I left Rothko and I loved working there, but I was 24 and I didn't really know whether I actually did want to pursue a career in advertising. It's kind of that sort of time when, you know, you're only a year and a year or two into your career and you're like, God, is this like what I want to do for the rest of my life? And and so I didn't apply to any agencies over there, which I do regret now, but I learned a valuable lesson by pursuing another kind of line of work. I was in-house writing for this photography startup and I was doing remote writing for Creative Block as well. And I didn't love it, but it taught me a valuable lesson in that, you know, sometimes you need to wander into the wrong thing to make you really sure about what's the right thing. And from that experience, I got so much more ambition and focus because I finally was so sure I was of what I wanted to do. Uh, and I really wanted to pursue advertising. And so without that kick up the, you know, <laughs> I, I, I think I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have gotten that sort of am- ambition, um, which I think is hugely important. So it, it worked out. Yeah, that's great. And you were at Cannes last week? Yeah. Before? Yeah. Uh, you were talking a little bit about the diversity panels and that was yeah, being discussed a lot. Yeah, so for anyone who doesn't know, Can Lion Festival of Creativity is, is a massive deal in, in the advertising world. Um, and they, so it's like a week-long award ceremony um, and the whole world co- competes, like agencies from all over the globe. And they also do a series of panels and talks. And uh, yeah, there was a huge emphasis on diversity and gender. Uh, I noticed in the talks this year, for example, I went to one and it kind of posed the question, can we redefine femininity with creativity and it was a great panel. The global strategic officer for Drug5, the editor of Allure magazine in the States, the CMO for CoverGirl Cosmetics and Issa Rae, who's a really cool writer-director. Basically they were talking about the responsibility to portray beauty in a new way and not to simply make a statement on beauty but make a statement on culture. So for example now they don't just have cover girls, they have cover boys as well. I mean, these are these women, and they were all women, by the way, everyone on the panel, and they're really kind of shaping culture and really creating cultural impact. And yeah, that was really interesting. That's really important for us, though, in our industry, yeah. like to, you know, we've chatted about this loads in work. You know, this whole thing of you can't be what you can't see, and as people in advertising, like, especially those who are writing the ads and making the ads, you know, it's you have a big part to play in making sure people see themselves in the media. So, yeah, we're kind of, it's really big yeah. role to play. Yeah. yeah, so you're playing kind of a role in making sure there's diversity in the work that goes out. Mm. You were talking about kind of 
being not a filter, but that what were you saying earlier about kind of big companies, oh, you know, yeah. wanting to be kind of diverse and wanting kind of getting on board with feminism and with LGBTQ issues. Well, there's that, there's that term pinkwashing for LGBT, you know, portraying brands as just jumping on board for the sake of it. But you're looking at it from a female perspective yeah. and you definitely but, would consider yourself yeah. as a feminist. And but... you believe in the work that's going out, mm-hmm. whereas we might be doubtful of the companies, the bigger companies. Yeah. yeah. Like, what about the people behind what's the What's the alternative? You yeah. have to represent, I think that's why there's a push for, for diversity in casting and, you know, what's the alternative that you keep things the same? Yeah. I think it's really yeah. important to portray everyone, you know, so. Because I can, under, I do understand like where people are coming from, like, oh, corporations making money off my human rights and winning awards off my human rights and things that are actually affecting my life. And I, I do understand that, but then, the people that make those ads are just me and Avril and other people that care about those things. Making it mainstream, like feminism and LGBTQ rights, people that wouldn't usually think about these things see it. Yeah. And that's a good it. thing. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, people get about Beyonce and her feminism, but I'm like, well, if young girls are seeing that and looking at her. <gasps> no. Really? Oh, that bothers me so much, people giving out about Beyonce's oh, feminism. Sorry. I was like, you disagree. No. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> Beyonce. Beyonce does what um, she wants. Well, yeah, like, if, if, if it means people that wouldn't normally think about it or see it or learning about it, then that can't be a bad thing. So, Absolutely. Yeah, I think more representation, the better. And are there any other creatives pushing the boundaries? in terms of diversity or gender equality that you aspire to and that you can kind of share with our audience and listeners? Oh God, it's not a sweat question. There's so many people. There's a designer called Nelly Bay Hayun that I was introduced to a while ago and she's amazing and she just does everything. And she has the underground university. Is that yeah, her? Yeah, 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 yeah. She's just... Total powerhouse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think look at her for inspiration. We have a couple more questions. We added an additional component to our ticketing system where we pose a question to the audience and there were a couple that came through, but we're also gonna pose a question to our live audience. So if you guys wanna have a think about something that you'd like to ask Vote For Women, in terms of career advice, how they set up a side project, how they do that on top of their day job, um, have a think and I'll ask again in a few minutes. Some other questions that came through were, how do you balance doing well in your day job and remaining creatively fulfilled in your projects outside of work? Essentially, how do you beat fatigue? Like with difficulty. We obviously juggled a lot with both women and it was very tiring, but you did it because you cared. And as well, like you made a point about how it gave us confidence. In yeah, our well, I think a huge part of working the creative industry is sort of, you know, learning that you need to be confident about what you do and stuff like that. And, and so if you feel like you're on a bit of a roll, and things are going well and that kind of gives you confidence and then so when you do other projects and other jobs they tend to go better because you're on this roll and you've got this confidence because that one project went well so yeah the way I look at it is like the side project sort of bleeds kind of positive vibes Mm. into into the day-to-day work because it gives you that sort Mm. of that confidence that you're kind of you're doing something good and and you kind of take that with you into work and so it's sort of motivating in a way that's something (laughs) (laughs) it's good to do for yourself as well like because obviously when you're working in an agency like this obviously you have to go through layers to get stuff out and that's the way it is and that's fine and you still get great workout but it's really nice just to have a bit of creative therapy just to do something like both women went out exactly as it was meant to go out exactly as we wanted it which is something that you need as a creative I think just to keep yourself satisfied sometimes yeah. and that's okay side projects are essential for developing your own creative thinking as well beyond that yeah, yeah. absolutely 
was talking to the creative director of JWT Amsterdam and I was asking him, like, what do you look for in new creatives? Like, what are the things that like make people stand out for you? And the first thing he said was ambition, which I guess is, is kind of an obvious one. It's something we've already touched on. But the second thing he said was hobbies or side projects that you do outside of work because it shows that you're passionate and, and you're kind of an overall creative person and, you know, you don't just do it for the paycheck, but you it's kind of, you, you, but, yeah, you live but, and breathe but, it. But it's really yeah. important. And I think when creative directors look through your book, like they want to see that, you know, you worked on other creative projects. They don't want an odd person. They want a creative person. Yeah, like exactly. Series. So, you know, yeah, it's nice to try new things. Yeah. You were obviously passionate about the repeal movement. So mm. would you encourage people to work for just whatever they're passionate about politically? Yeah, well, I mean, we were very passionate about mm. repeal, obviously. Really, like, it makes really true real work to you, which is mm. which is really good. Um, oh, 100%. If you care about something, why not use your creativity to further that movement or make it better? Yeah. Like, advertising is all about practical application of creativity. So it's using creativity to solve a problem, whether that's a societal problem or a business problem. So we're kind of natural problem solvers. So the reason why we did vote for women was because one of the problems was that there wasn't enough young people registered to vote. So we're like, okay, well, how do we, rather than just kind of um, shining a spotlight on something, like how can we put something on place that actually attempts to solve the problem? That's why these sort of side projects, as well as, something we're deeply passionate about but like as natural problem solvers you know yeah. we see that and we're like okay how, how do we fix this you know yeah. what I mean um I guess that's why it makes sense and that's why I mean you saw so many di so many creative projects mm. come out over the course of the referendum yeah because people just want to do whatever they could to help and you guys hosted an exhibition in the middle of everything oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was great just on top of, yeah. on top yeah, of everything Hens, else Hens, the guys at Hens Teeth were asking us like do you, is this your job and we were like no we have a job this and we are, I have to say the, yeah. the guy they were so, brilliant yeah, yeah Greg and Rosie from Hens Teeth were absolutely amazing they loved the zine when it came out on International Women's Day and asked us did we want to do an exhibition or a series of talks and they completely facilitated us and and basically donated the space to us mm. and and so shout out to them because yeah, they, they were exactly, really yeah. they were really hope you're listening <laughs> and then everyone like all the artists who contributed like you know when you have something that's for a good cause like that people love to get on board and it was really fun it was really good night and yeah it's great and plenty of people did get on board in that conversation which was fantastic one of our other guests put out another question about how we can engage men further in this conversation because that was actually part of what me and Deirdre discussed when we were planning this podcast. So I was going to say <laughs> workshop, we but it's a podcast. We want to open it up to the wider audience. We're not just focusing on one gender. It's non-gender specific. We actually personally want to know how we can open it up to mm. a wider audience, how we can achieve that. But also, how can we open this conversation up beyond females? I think you just have to, like, how to engage other people. You just have to directly engage with them like people are on your side like mm -hmm. you, most people are not going to say to you if you go to them like listen i feel like there's an there's an equality problem in this in this workplace like most people might yeah. not say like most people in your corner and you'd be surprised like even when we talk to some of the guys and work about things they're generally sympathetic. Yeah. So and I think it's about yeah. being, being open. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they mightn't even kind of realise some of the barriers that we'd face. Yeah. But then once you explain them, they're like, oh, I never yeah. saw it like that. Yeah, that's a total fair point. So I think it's just like yeah. being really kind of inclusive yeah. in the conversations and not yeah. being like, 
this is girls only. Like we, you know, this yeah. isn't this doesn't concern you. You know what I mean? Like it. it I think, I think it's, it's like we, we were ta- talking recently with some of the guys in work about like maternity leave and how like you know women have to take six months to a year a break from their career essentially and if you have a couple of kids in your 30s like that kind of wipes out your 30s and they're like oh, wait why no, no I think they were like no, no pre- pregnancy like, wouldn't affect your career what are you talking about and it's like <laughs> wait, wait, okay so you go on maternity leave you know, and like lay it all out and you're like it takes this much amount of time out of your career and they're like wow god yeah I never looked at it like that and they you know, so I think it's just, yeah, as you said, like, have those, com- have the conversations. Yeah, like just inform people. Inform, yeah. I think it's important to remember, like, a lot of people, even with the referendum, I, we would have been canvassing, and you have to remember, like, when we were canvassing, like, most people don't know what the word repeal means, like, in the context of what it was, because they don't think about it every day. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of people, obviously, we're always constantly thinking about, like, our place in, in work and in the world and inequality, but... Some, it doesn't even cross people's minds and you have to be mindful of that and it's just really important to have frank conversations and just make sure just talk to people yeah be yeah. honest and be like this is how I feel yeah well Avril you mentioned that it's really important to highlight those barriers that women may come up with within their lives or the workplace in general are there any obstacles that either of you have encountered in the workplace um well we've been talking about this in work a lot with the girls and I think myself I'm very young and new to the industry in my early 20s I'm not thinking about things like marriage and having kids well I'm a little bit because you know you're like oh well then I have to get this job and this job and this job I want to do this I think you start to notice things when you get to an age where you do have to think about those kind of things from what some of the women in our job have been saying there's also yeah. stuff like uh, one of the women work you, you use this thing for called tone checker where it like checks the tone of your you know what I mean because she she used to do she'd do this thing called the uh, probably the BITCH check you know what I mean <laughs> check and see if she sounded like she was being too direct and I don't what? see a lot of men who do that you know what I mean that are kind of like oh I need to soften this or I can't seem like too much of a bitch or I seem too bossy when I say things like that so I think inherently like no that's sort of a not. barrier to yourself yeah, yeah. when you're being too uh, self-censoring or yeah, you know yeah. and which uh, I've heard people doing that and I'm like oh, sorry yeah. I probably can't <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've yeah. heard of of that being kind of but that brings it back to yeah. conditioning as well yeah. that's just yeah. how we're conditioned to act and yeah. speak yeah. and communicate yeah. communication was, is vital yeah. in that regard no worries if not like haunts my dreams yeah. I say no worries if not you always say yourself like you gotta use muscular language mm-hmm. it's I have to reread emails on a daily basis because I'm always like oh if you could just look at this for two seconds mm-hmm. and we need to be far more direct I think the same thing we were saying about being conditioned to be a little bit approachable and appeasing and stuff I'll be honest like I do not want people to dislike me mm-hmm. and it's a really annoying thing because I'm I shouldn't care and it's really important to not be like that but yeah I still can't how shake we, it how but do we there, overcome that like that fear of being a difficult woman like being, you know, just have to be difficult. Like, I think you <laughs> just have to get to a stage where you just decide to own it and all that goes out the window mm. because I think it's nonsense, frankly. Yeah. But it's also about practice as well. If yeah. you're, you know, exactly if you own it, if you say it with conviction, if you know exactly what you're saying, if you know your entitlement, then it's just going to get easier because you are more direct and people yeah. are going to take you far more seriously. Well, Avril's very direct and I've learned loads working with her in the past few months. Honestly, like just even being around somebody that's like, no, I want this, I want that way, and shut up. I can, I... I don't say shut up. I don't tell people <laughs> to shut up. <laughs> but like, 
just being around people who are very in if, if we if we all just kind of agree to just be more you know assertive maybe if we're all around each other like that it might help well, if we continue yeah. to act that yeah, way yeah, then yeah. maybe people will follow suit maybe if there's some kind of yeah. mentor program where you could actually look up to these yeah. strong women who are actually succeeding in their careers yeah. Um, Jane, you were saying about the myth about wealth. It turned out to be a myth that women tear each other down in the workplace. Oh yeah, that's that meant was, to be a complete myth. Yeah. So I, apparently women compete with other women because there were in the past fewer opportunities for women, which is 100% true. We entered into the workforce and of course there were fewer opportunities because we were new to it. Statistics have shown lately that women do not compete with other women. They support each mm-hmm. other. So you know, we need to get rid of that bias in our yeah. heads and actually be more supportive for like us. I, we're, I love when I see my girls doing well. Mm. And like, it's really yeah. important, like to, as we said earlier, to bring each other up. Like mm. we look a lot to this too. Um, there's a writer and art director and we would work with Barbara and Rachel and like, God, I'd go to them for advice mm. straight away if I needed it and they're happy to give it. I've, I've noticed, I've never seen women tear down each other's work. I really, I really, like, I think we're really good. Well, in my time as a creative, like, I think I've only seen good people saying good things about each other and trying to help each other out, which is really nice. I think maybe the industry might need more of that kind of, you know, let's all just be nice and lift <laughs> each other up. And, yeah. More encouragement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One purpose of this project as well is that we're not trying to solve these problems within one podcast. We can't. Uh, we're, we're quite young and we, we don't personally know how to. But over the course of however many podcasts we're going to do, we are going to collate all our learnings and our findings because I think that they will be really important. We're trying to build some kind of method to distribute them to women who are in the creative industry or any workplace so that they can advance further in their careers. On that note, I have one final question before I ask the audience question. If you could give your younger selves some advice for breaking into the creative industry or the advertising industry, what would you say? I think I, I can't, I'm kind of reiterating myself, but it, it just boils down to like, don't underestimate the value of ambition because the creative industries are fiercely competitive. Well, actually, sorry, I can't speak for any other creative industry other than creative advertising. Yeah. Creative advertising is fiercely competitive. I don't, I, I've never met more competitive people in my life and you need to be fiercely ambitious and competitive to do well. So I think that's really important. And then the, the point I made earlier about, about um, pursuing um, side projects and passions outside of uh, your day job, because I think that's really important to your creative growth and to your sanity and to prospective employers as well. I agree with both of those things and then also I know it said a lot but like really just like fake it till you make it like I mean don't worry if you don't know how to do something perfectly like I'm I'm one of these people I just I hate when I don't know how to do a job and I can't do it right and I would have felt like going into even going into boys and girls and chatting with the creative directors before I even interned, I was over explaining all my projects and kind of, and they were like, get it, like, that, your work speaks for itself, like, chill. Yeah, just you can learn on the fly, like, you don't need to know everything when you get out of college and go into the industry, just, you know, have the confidence that you will learn. Or what I do when somebody asks yeah. me to do something I don't understand is just Google the hell out of it. Yeah, yeah. you'll learn how. Yeah. Yeah. Photoshop, yeah, 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 tutorials and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's my um, career, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Everything is there. Do we have any audience questions for a vote for women? Congratulations, girls on Z. It was, uh, I think that it was 
perfectly pitched that you managed to re-gauge the traditional non-voters and that focus uh, of the zine was, was very good. Are there any other causes that you both care about? Uh, what's next for you guys? Just the North oh. is next. Yeah, yeah, the um, North. We've been talking a lot about ourselves, like before we got onto the referendum, like we're both pretty pissed off about the situation with direct provision. Yeah. Direct and provision. we've been kind of knocking around a few things. Um, hopefully we can get some notch ground. Um, haven't got an idea yet, but like it's making us very upset. So probably the next cause. Yeah, hopefully. 100%. Now we have to do it. Uh, yeah. yeah, and then with everything that's that's going on with what's happening in the states yeah, and stuff, yeah. that again, you know, yeah, all of our attentions were diverted towards yeah. the referendum. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of yeah. Making yeah. us realise that yeah that that that's something that's on our own door, um. So that needs to be addressed. So yeah, yeah. I think that's probably the next thing that we'll look at. Change the world. <laughs> Brilliant. So we are reaching the end of our first ever the other podcast. We. Would love to thank all of you for joining us at our very first one, because obviously you didn't know what you were signing yourselves up for. Um, so we're delighted that you invested your time in this. We have lots of people to thank, from Michael at Powers and IDL, Huckletree for hosting this fantastic event. And I've heard so many great responses on the venue. Everyone loves it. You haven't heard it yet, but AMAC will be doing the music on this podcast. So we want to thank Aoife in advance because we're absolutely thrilled and over the moon about that. Thank you to Deirdre, our wonderful oh. designer and 50% of the other podcast for doing all of the visuals. They're, they were completely eye-catching and I love them. Thank you to Katie and Avril. For and thanks a million to Katie and Avril. Sharing oh, your wisdom. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed episode one, A Cause for Conversation. We'll be back soon with episode two. Sing it, sing it.